0: Or an amalgam of cybernetically enhanced humanoid drones of multiple species organized as an interconnected collective with a hive mind inhabiting a vast region of space. They operate towards one single-minded purpose to add the biological and technological distinctiveness of other species to their own in the pursuit of perfection. They are the adversary of autonomy the definition of slavery. They are the juggernauts of an infinite number of quadrants and parallel dimensions, including the Mirror Universe. The Mirror Universe has never been so treacherous.
1: Hi and welcome to the Ready Room, the Treks and Sci-Fi Microcast. I am Kenny, I play the captain, Nathaniel Quinn.
0: Hi, I'm Jen. I play Commander Savril, the first officer of the USS Arabella.
2: And I'm Rick. And I play Well, right now, I play evil Dr. Margon. (laughs) And other various
3: characters.
1: On today's show, we're going to be doing the story so far with readings from members of the forum who are helping out with the readings. And then we are going to analyze the story so far. And then we will give you our final thoughts. And that will be it. Yay. (laughs) And as you heard, we have a special guest, Rick, has honored us by joining uh, our little Ready Room podcast here. Thanks for having me. I'm, it's, it's a great time,
2: and I always enjoy poking my head in here and seeing what's up on the Ready Room. Such a nice <laughs> place, like Captain Picard's Ready Room. I always love that. <laughs> yep. Well, we're glad to have you. Yes,
1: Thank very. You. Thank, you. Thank you. We're the Borg. Life as you know it is over. You have entered our
3: RPG space. You will adapt to the story so far.
1: Okay, for our first post for this week, it's from Moyer and Hawkeye Meds, and it will be read by Moyer777.
2: Dunn's look of worry was noticed by Margon. The Bolian's lips turned into a blue smile. How's your adrenaline now, young man? Are you scared? You should be. "'One click of my fingers and you'll be torn into pieces quicker than you could blink.' "'The yellow button on Dunn's phaser was less than an inch away. "'If he was quick, he would have to be quick. "'He may be able to get a quick burst out and save himself.' "'Margon crept closer to Dunn, teasing him by lifting his fingers. "'The beast gnashed at the table to the right of Dunn. "'The gas had filled the top of the lab and was creeping down toward the motley crew.' "'Where's your boss now, eh?' teased Margon. "'What's the matter? Have you lost your savior?' "'Blood trickled from his wound on his face. "'And with that, Margon clicked his fingers. And in an instant, the beast leapt into the air. "'With a screeching howl, light glinted off the Targ's razor teeth. "'Dunn instantly moved his finger and his phaser lit up. "'The orange beam hit a collection of Borg-filled glasses, "'and the yellow acidic liquid exploded, hitting Margon.' the beast and done himself some of it even splashed onto the squirming Quinn the beast caught the main impact of the burning liquid but it was Margon who screamed more part of his skin on his face burned and seeped away his arms flailing in the air like a trapped mouse in a cage the restraints on Captain Quinn's right arm were burning away the acid smoke rose to meet the green haze that was encroaching upon them Dunn's right arm, that had held the phaser, had too been caught with the liquid, and he had to run to the side of the room past the dazed body of Quinn, and maniacally began washing his arm in the water. Dunn didn't lose his gaze from the screaming Margon. Where's your medical expertise now, doctor? yelled Dunn. Margon dropped to his knees, his left hand holding the remains of the side of his face. He slipped his hand into the pocket and pulled out a small cylinder. He put it up to his mouth as the gas reached his face and took a deep breath. Margon looked up, his eyes aflame. He leveled his gaze at Dunn, took the object from his mouth and hissed, "'You will pay, Mr. Dunn. You will pay dearly. I have the antidote, something I suspect would come in handy right about now.' Dunn's head began to spin. The gas was taking its toll." He had to get out of this room. The targ lay steaming on the floor. He could only start for the door. He stumbled, and he fell onto Quinn. He tried to grab himself before he crashed onto the floor, taking the metal instruments that lay on the tray next to the metal table. The surgical tools fell all around him. Two of the scalpels sunk into his neck, and Dunn could barely make out the sounds of the doctor beside him. Margon wasted no time in injecting Quinn with a serum that stopped Nathan from gasping for air. He held a cloth to his burning face and breathed from his respirator. What he didn't expect was the captain's next move. Quinn's right arm was free now, and even though he could feel his skin burning from the acid, he took advantage of Margon's precarious position. With one movement, his fist struck Margon's injured cheek, causing the doctor to cry out in pain and fall back. The metallic device fell out of his mouth, and he began to choke. He couldn't keep his balance and tumbled overdone onto the floor. Nathan wasted no time in trying to free his other bonds. If he's going to escape, now was his chance. The faceless drone walked calmly over to the lifeless men on the floor, bent down and began to mop up the acid-stained floor as its black fingers began to steam.
0: And next we have a joint post written by Jen and Rico. And it's read by Rico.
4: To David Locke, war was an insatiable hunger. Allowing others to fight for him was one benefit of imperial rule that he could do without. He wanted to fill his belly with battle, not endure its painful rubble. He did obtain some satisfaction in watching the victories of his soldiers, but part of him longed to return to his life as a warrior. His title demanded that he remain out of harm's way, but he always managed to bend that rule, as he had in this instance. The Tiberius was in the midst of a dangerous battle, and he was enjoying every minute of it. Admiral Talbot... "'turned his bridge over to Commander Zrem "'and entered the ready room with David. "'Emperor, you look well, sir,' Talbot said "'as he moved his arm in salute "'and scanned the Terran with his eyes. "'It was an old habit he had formed. "'He used it to study a person he didn't trust "'when he was in a private area with them, "'and Talbot had never trusted Emperor David Locke. "'Dispense with the false pleasantries, Admiral. "'What of the battle?' replied David, "'addressing the much older man "'with a sharp and impatient tone.' The Emperor recognized the fact that his brisk nature was intimidating to many and he utilized this quality at every opportunity. In this case, however, the Admiral seemed unaffected by his curt manner. Though he was of a lower class, David respected the Romulan half-breed. He eyed the Admiral in silence a moment before a slight grin cracked in his stern expression. The fleet has the Borg on the run. We've destroyed or disabled several of those cybernetic monstrosities they call ships and are performing a sweep of the area. Long-range scans detect no other Borg vessels within the range, the tall man said as he paced before the seated emperor. Something had him more on edge today, and he couldn't quite figure out what it was. A melodic chime interrupted his thought as the door to the ready room whisked open. Savril inclined her head decorously, and to each of the men she said, Forgive my intrusion. The emperor's fondness for the Vulcan betrayed him. "'and his hardened, and his heart-hearted expression softened. "'Come in,' he said smoothly and gestured for her to enter. Severil moved to stand beside the seated Emperor. "'David turned back to Talbot. "'Continue,' he snapped in an effort to regain the knife-edge of his voice. "'As the men proceeded with their discussion, "'the Emperor's mistress subconsciously raised an eyebrow in realization. "'She shifted her gaze to the Admiral and discreetly studied Talbot's face.' the man's rigid demeanor did not alter, and his eyes did not move to meet her own. The cooperative's gift of enhanced telepathy granted Severell the ability to sense the thoughts and feelings of others, while her Vulcan disciplines enabled her to block the unwanted probes of other telepaths. Both abilities proved to be valuable instruments of espionage, and she used them sparingly in order to avert detection. Outside the ready room, the Vulcan felt an air of hostility. Now that she was in the same room that feeling was intensified. Savril watched the Admiral with interest as he debriefed David. The resentment she perceived was emanating from the older officer and bubbling just out of range of obvious detection. His thoughts were well guarded, but she could sense the contempt he held for David just below the surface. She wondered what injustice had befallen the Admiral and pondered whether his rage could be useful to them both. As Talbert discussed the status of the Tiberius and her damaged systems, a small tingling sensation started to form in the back of his mind. It was subtle, but it began to distract him. Even though his mind was nowhere near as disciplined or telepathic as a full Vulcan, or even full Romulan for that matter, the Admiral had enough history dealing with telepaths over the years to know when he was being scanned. Even the most subtle probes failed to escape his notice. He quickly worked to bury the emotions that had begun to take over as the Emperor taunted him with questions he already knew the answers to. Talbot shot a quick glance to the beautiful Vulcan woman at the side of the Emperor and let slip a slight smile. She averted her eyes and brushed back a lock of black hair in casual fashion, but Talbot knew she had somehow detected her probe. She chanced another look at Talbot and saw his smile stretching to a grin, a sight she seldom had seen appear on the man's face. "'Emperor, pardon my asking, but is it important for Savril to hear of these military matters? "'I'm certain she can find something more interesting to attend to. "'Perhaps she might use her special gifts on this Terran we found on the Borg King's vessel. "'I'm certain he might appreciate a visit from such an attractive woman "'after being among so many ugly drones. "'I think we can...' "'Tumbert was cut off as the Emperor leaped to his feet and grabbed the larger man by the tunic, "'pushing him hard against the bulkhead.' In a heartbeat, he had a blade pressed to the admiral's throat. A small cut began to form, and a trickle of green streamed down the admiral's neck. You forget your place, Talbot. I've killed men for less. Just say the word, my love, and I will gut the half-breed. I'm sure your successor, Zrem, would avoid such mistakes of insulting my mistress. Few things brought this type of response from David, except the matters involving the woman he loved. Zavril knew well that all she had to do was bow her head and Talbot's life would be over. Yet she could see that the Admiral did not fear death. In fact, she sensed that he might welcome it. The the blatant disregard for life that glinted in Talbot's eyes was all too familiar for it shone in her own as well. Only the loss of a mate could ignite such an inferno as the one she had felt smoldering within Talbot. Why hadn't he used his hate to destroy David? The question was a curiosity that begged to be answered. "'Please,' she gasped. "'I am honored by your offer, Emperor, but I was not offended.' David stared at the Vulcan in a moment, giving her ample opportunity to change her mind. When she failed to do so, he patted the side of Talbot's face with a black-gloved hand. "'You are fortunate that she is so forgiving. You are a great warrior, Talbot, a valuable asset to the Empire.' "'But your perceived value would vanish like ice in hell "'if you breathe even Savril's name in polite greetings.' "'The Emperor flashed a grin at Talbert. "'Thank you for the briefing, Admiral.' "'While the seething Terran still faced the Admiral, "'the Romulan heard Savril's voice echoing in his mind. "'I know you're lost, brother. "'He has brought ruin upon me as well. "'I intend to see him suffer for it. "'Will you help me?' "'David turned back to Savril, "'and she left the ready room on his arm.' As she left, she caught Talbert giving her a quick nod of his head and a slight smile. Savril knew at once she had added Talbert to her growing list of allies.
2: Alright, next we have a post from Wraith1701, read by Billy Bob.
4: Traveling
5: at the relatively slow speed of Warp 3, the assemblage of Klingon and Cardassian warships known as the 6th Fleet crept towards Terran Space, following the lead of Karak's flagship. At the head of the collection of birds of prey, D-type battlecruisers, Hideki fighters, and Galar-class attack ships was an odd vessel that looked like a hybrid of Klingon and Terran technology. The small ship had a vaguely saucer-shaped profile, but the port and starboard sides of the saucer were stretched out and swept down like the wings of a bird of prey. Integrated into the thick, wing-like protrusions were Terran-style warp nacelles. On the front of each wing the red-hot oval of an active Basard collector glowed brightly. A few meters next to each of the forward-facing Basards was a pulse-disruptor cannon, giving the ship the ability to emit twin bursts of rapid-fire disruptive energy at any target in its path. On the bridge of the odd-looking ship, an equally odd crew sat focused on their stations. In the command chair sat a tall, lanky Klingon captain, his dusky face scarred from countless battles at each of the stations lining the wall of the bridge sat a motley collection of Klingons, Cardassians, and Terran slaves. At communications, a svelte Cardassian woman turned to address the brooding Klingon. Captain Voss, we are receiving a transmission from the flagship, audio only. Well, let's hear it, Seska, he replied. With the press of a button, the familiar booming voice of Admiral Karak echoed from the speakers. Karak to Alliance Fleet, initiate program Tlingon Cool as the motley crew exchanged looks of confusion. The Klingon captain smiled grimly to himself. Klingon Cool, or Klingon Fire, was a last resort plan, only to be put into effect if the Borg should reappear. Known only to a select few members of the Defense Force, it involved arming a device now installed on a few select Klingon ships, a Thaleron generator. Once armed, the device turned the ship housing it into a Thaleron warhead, on detonation, the generator would create a cascading, biogenic pulse of Thaleron radiation large enough to encompass a praxis-sized moon. Scorned by many societies because of its deadly nature, Thaleron radiation consumed organic material at the subatomic level, causing instant and complete necrosis of every cell it irradiated. Following exposure, all organic matter degenerated into an ash-like material, completely devoid of life. Theoretically, this weapon would neutralize the half-organic, half-machine Borg, annihilating their organic components and leaving only their dead ships and technology behind. Of course, this also meant the death for all those aboard any ship deploying the device, but a death earned while dispatching a deadly foe was a good death indeed. Unfortunately, the cost of producing a stable Thaleron generator was prohibitively high, and thus far... Only three such devices had been completed. The Klingon captain felt privileged to be one of the few warriors entrusted to carry the device. He had no idea which other two ships were similarly armed, but he felt confident that they were in capable hands. If all else failed, he would eagerly treat his fellow captains to a round of blood wine and stovacor. The brooding captain placed his palm over a sensor on his armrest, and after a quick scan, an adjacent panel sprung open. Firmly pressing the button within, the captain turned towards the communications officer. Send to the Admiral, the Klingon said. This is Captain Voss, activating the device. Kapla! As the humming of the engine suddenly changed to a deeper, warbling pitch, the bridge lighting dimmed as though experiencing a power drain. From the rear of the bridge, a haggard Terran slave furtively glanced towards the command chair. After making a mental note of the location of the sensor panel, The slave turned back to his task of scrubbing the deck plating. As his chains gently clinked, the hint of a smile crossed his brown, bearded face.
1: Next up, we have a joint post from Jen and Shepard. It'll be read by Jen.
0: The Emperor glanced to Savril as the turbolift ascended. And your mind meld has told you this. Are you certain that Reese hasn't discovered a way to beat the meld? I would know, replied the woman in a whisper. She saw a flash of stars and stumbled back against the turbolift wall as David struck her with an open hand. Don't be so sure, he grumbled. As her knees started to buckle, he steadied her, pulling her close to his side. I'm sorry, he said, trying to make amends for his violent temper. I'm still wound up about Talbot. He insulted you. You should have let me kill him. He had never hit her before, and she was stunned by the action. Savril remained silent, as her mind began to question just how much power she held over him and if he had become suspicious of her. The turbo-lift doors opened, and he helped her into the corridor. Wait for me in our quarters. I will return shortly. I have some business to attend to. He dabbed the blood that trickled from her nose and placed a gentle kiss upon her cheek. Lifting her chin with his gloved hand, He studied her face a moment, then started down the corridor. The Emperor took a seat in the briefing room, where David Reese had been patiently waiting his arrival. He knew how the Emperor liked his briefings, quick and to the point. His henchman Reese jumped right into the update and activated a galactic map which filled the room, displaying the positions of planets and ships scattered across the quadrant. Rhys moved the focal point to a small region of space several light years from their position. Reports have indicated that Vangores is in this region. Considering my previous encounter with him, I- Vangores is a thorn, David Locke interrupted. He's hard to remove, but will eventually fall out. The circumstances had changed since David had given Rhys the assignment to capture the defector. But Emperor, I thought it was my job to punish those who plot against you. Reese, 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 the snare has been set. The rabbit will spring the trap eventually. Patience, you will have your hunter's stew. For now, we must turn our attention to internal matters. We have a more destructive nuisance to exterminate. I don't understand, said Reese as he watched the Emperor rake his hands through the star map and clinch the star at the heart of the Soul System. We are hunting moles now, Reese. There are individuals woven into the fabric of the Empire who are plotting to rip apart what we have worked so hard to mend. The light of the map caused David's fierce eyes to glint like a dagger's blade as he narrowed them thoughtfully. I know I could trust you as long as your pockets are filled. Locke's menacing grin formed deep lines into his face as he leaned forward. And there isn't anyone else who could pay as well as I can. Your loyalty in this matter is paramount." David Reese bowed slightly and struck his fist against his chest in salute. Yes, Emperor. The success of your new mission will make you a very wealthy man. If this job was as important as it sounded, Reese wasn't going to allow the offer to slip away. He replied without hesitation. I'm committed to serving you, Emperor. What do you require of me? Security, Locke said. I need you to watch my back. There are several aboard this ship who would see my death as an opportunity. Do you know who these people are? inquired the Emperor's henchman. I have my suspicions. David produced a pad from the fold of his tunic and passed it to Reese. Start with these. They've stepped on my toes too often to dismiss them as suspects. I will pay you a bonus if you can prove that the second individual on that list is a traitor. I never had much use for them anyway. A bonus, Reese inquired. Yes, more credits, of course. You'll have enough credits for any luxury you desire. A new ship, your own holodeck fantasy, a real woman. Whatever you want, the bonus will pay for it all. I'll do the job. (sighs) To be honest, you didn't have much choice in the matter," said David with a chuckle. I trust you will see to our varmint issue. For now... I just want you to observe their movements and report back to me. Be discreet. Next up, we have a post written by Just X, and it's read by Billy Bob. The
5: warm, humid, vanilla-scented air of the biomechanical ship clung to Arya as she made her way down one of its many organic corridors. Natural bioluminescence lit the entire ship with crisp white light and pale blue highlights. Workers and drones moved with purpose and dedication towards shared objectives. Outside of the seed-shaped organic vessel, the bright colors of Transwarp danced over the hull. The indigo lights of the Advanced Drive cast their own light on the flagship of the Cooperative. Thousands of the best and brightest of the Cooperative served as the attendants of their queen. They were but one of many hubs within the Cooperative that worked in unison to solve the problems that affect her people. Unlike the Borg that were core in making the cooperative, her people were not mindless slaves. She knew the value of independent thought and the difficulties that could come from that thought. The cooperative succeeded because she knew something that the Borg did not. While the cooperative were individuals on a conscious level, on a subconscious level, they were even more tightly bound than their Borg cousins. Technology, biology, and psionic power blended and united the hearts and minds of the cooperative to their queen. In Arya's eyes, the Borg were locusts that moved from world to world, stripping each of anything of value and leaving nothing but dust. She had patterned her cooperative to behave more like a beehive. They moved from world to world like the Borg, but they took only a percentage of the population into the cooperative and the knowledge to recreate the technology that interested them. When they left the world, they left a world that might have small scars, but one that would heal. The worlds they left behind could still thrive, and one day, they could be harvested once more. Her children were anomalies. Each member of her synthetic race were given genetic, cybernetic, and nanite enhancements specifically chosen to enhance their ability to contribute to the species. It was through the multi-level unity and her position as the heart of the cooperative that protected her children from the corrupted nature of their universe. And her attempts to find the cause of the darkness that she saw about her she found that one act could not unravel and repair her new home. Centuries of aggression had been grafted to the human genome as the result of Augment's decisively winning the eugenics war. The genes of the victors were dispersed by natural selection and new generations throughout humanity. Greater than human abilities might have faded in most, but the heightened aggression of the crude processes managed to thrive with each new generation. She was but one voice, and she could not stop Soong's victory, even if she had a stable means to travel to that point. It was far too late. The actions of humanity were a clear reminder of the legacy left behind by Soong. The damage was done, and it created a wound that could not simply be treated. For this universe to thrive, she needed to cauterize the infection and start fresh. The cooperative was that fresh start. They were the scalpel and medicine that would be required to craft a better future. Now she moved her personal vessel towards a faintly detected signal from her past. It was a signal that could change everything if it held true and brought her to her father. She had long prided herself on granting her children the best. While she had many new genetic enhancements since her arrival, the genes that she inherited from her father still remained. Their unique complexity was the core of her new family, with the Alorians extinct from Borg attacks, she had to rely on the small portion of those genes that she carried with her, instead of what would have been a robust gene pool in her original timeline. If the signal led to her father as she hoped, she would have many questions. She longed to see her father again. She missed her family more than words could convey, but she also needed him and select others. The genes he held would create significant advances in cooperative and strength in her chosen. It was now only a matter of time until they arrived at the battle, but it was still far too slow for her. Increase speed, she ordered her crew. With little hesitation, the ship increased its velocity and rapidly approached the battle. The advanced computers quickly recalculated the travel time of her journey. She smiled on receiving the new results. It was information that she projected to the entire fleet and her hidden operatives. We will be arriving at the rift shortly, and then we shall deal with these questions and
2: threats. Next up, a joint post by Hawkeye Meds and Trekkie Geek, read by TrekkieGeek. Geek.
6: Savril and Peterson's voice began to drift away as the comforting solace of sleep began to draw over him. The image in was hazy at first, then slowly the image became clearer. The lights behind the tall man obscured his features. Only the outline could be seen. Peters shook his head. The pain was immense. How many lights? The tall man stood still. His hair drawn back. How many lights do you see? The pain in his head started to throb. Blood and sweat mixed together and had begun to block his nostrils, so breathing was becoming harder. How many lights? Peters wondered who this man was. This was unreal. The tall figure began to move around, and the sudden blast of light caused Peters' eyes to burn. He closed them immediately, but in that instant his head was jerked back and his eyes forced open. How many lights do you see now, Mr Peters? A solo spot of light came on, but he couldn't close his eyes. The strange man had now clapped his eyelids open. There are five lights. How many lights do you see? Peters tried to turn his head, but that too was now clamped down. The tall man walked around Peter's chair slowly. He could see his eyes now. They looked like the devil's. The man circled and circled, and as his eyes began to dry out, a hand hovered over, and drops were given. This is water at the moment, but in this little vial here is... let me give you some. The glass vial tipped slightly, and he could see the liquid slowly come out. It seemed ages before the water hit his exposed eyeball. The sudden rush of pain jolted his body, and the man who let two more drops of salt water do their job, You scream, Mr Peters, but this is just the start. Will you not answer my questions? Let's start again. Peters felt his head pull forward. The clamps were motorised and he could do nothing about it. The man sat in front of the lights again, but this time he could see the features, the hooked nose, the pale face and the red eyes of the arch interrogator. So, now we have got to know each other a little bit. How many lights do you see behind me? "'It's a great piece of questioning, this. I learnt it from the best.' Peters could only make out one row of lights. He couldn't count them. "'Still no answer? Okay. Let's go back to two days ago. "'Why are you aboard this ship?' Suddenly the adrenaline kicked in and Peters looked up defiantly as his interrogator and silently cursed the straps which held him down to the chair. He wanted to get up and rip the man's limbs from his body, but his attempts to struggle free were futile. Reese spat at De Callan and it hit him squarely in the eye. There! Reese screamed out. Take your lights and get away from me! De Callan wiped the mess from his eye calmly and looked down on the prone figure of Peters, smiling wickedly. <laughs> nice comeback, traitor, but hardly acid. Now I shall ask you one last time, why are you here? "'Your mother invited me. Apparently all the other men on this ship were not enough for her. "'She wanted a real man,' Rhys laughed hysterically at De Callan. smile disappeared immediately and was replaced with a scowl, "'and Rhys giggled as he saw the interrogator begin to tremble with rage. "'De Callan drew a deep breath and exhaled. "'Regaining his composure, he turned his back on Peters and made his way to a desk at the back of the room. "'He picked up an object and slowly turned to face Peters once more.' The object in his hand sent fresh waves of terror through Peters' mind. The Callan noticed the fear on his prisoner's face. Oh, the Callan said. You recognize a laser scalpel in? You think the pain in your eye is bad now. Well, Mr. Peters, you are about to experience a pain like you've not felt before. I am going to slice nice lumps of flesh from you until you give me the answers I require. The Callan moved towards Peters and he switched on the scalpel. A high-pitched sound came from the lethal tool. Peters started to struggle once again, but he knew it was pointless. As the cannon drew nearer, Reese Peters, he started to scream. Ah! No! Get away from me! Leave me alone! Peters awoke from the nightmare, screaming.
1: And now we have a post by Iceman, read by Moyer777.
2: Peterson was concerned about this development. It meant that DeCallan's torture techniques were beginning to take its toll on Peters. Peterson knew firsthand that although the physical torture was brutal, the emotional scars that would remain would be much more damaging and much harder to treat. Very few people have withstood DeCallan's brand of torture for long, and Dr. Peterson knew that they would have to either help Peters get off the ship or he would have to take matters into his own hands, and move his plans for revenge against the Master Interrogator in order to protect Savril from being discovered, and Peters cracked under the relentless strain of torture, which would continue the moment he returned to DeCallen's Chamber of Horrors. Dr. Peterson stuck a hypo in Peters' neck to put him in a deep sleep. It wasn't much, but it would at least relieve him from his pain, if only for a short period of time.
0: (coughs) Next up, we have a post written by Hawkeye Meds, and it's read by Meds.
7: They say the eyes show the soul. In the case of Joseph de Carlin, the eyes showed nothing but evil. Patience was not one of his strong points, and Dunn had been gone for over half an hour. It was not his habit to go running after the staff, but in his own mind, he knew Dunn was loyal, and his tardiness meant something was wrong. "'Computer, locate Officer Dunn and Dr. Margon.' The harsh voice of the computer replied back, "'Sensors are offline.' Dekalan tilted his head to one side. "'Computer, we're in the middle of a battle.' "'What the hell do you mean? Sensors are offline.' "'Unable to comply. Sensors are offline.' Taking a deep breath, Dekalan left his chamber and headed for Margon's office. Walking around the corner, he could see a strange gas floating in the air. Computer, decontaminate corridors five and six. A sudden whoosh of air and dry chemicals filled the corridors, and the light on De Carlin's belt flashed green. He walked towards the white mist and entered it. The doors to Morgan's medical bay were shattered. Standing in front of it, De Carlin stood, still, listening. Suddenly, out of the fog, came two pairs of burnt hands.
2: Next we have a joint post by Jen and Rico, read by
0: Jen. The Tiberius had always been too cold for Severil's Vulcan blood, yet the vessel's uncomfortable temperature could not be compared to the frigid nature of the Emperor. He had become unstable. Something had changed, and she had to learn what that something was. The question was, How? The operative could not risk probing David's mind to validate her misgivings. Such a tactic could prove dangerous should the Emperor detect her telepathic venture. She would have to find another means of gathering the information she needed. The Vulcan slipped a traditional robe over her shoulders and gazed into the mirror hanging within the laboratory. He had slapped her hard, but not hard enough to cause any serious physical trauma. She traced the bridge of her tender nose with the tips of her trembling fingers. Noticing the tremor, she raised her hands before her to examine them. It wasn't the incident with David in the turbo lift, nor the lack of warmth aboard the ship that caused them to shake. Arching a brow, she moved one hand to her abdomen in response to the flutter of movement she felt within. The presence she had felt in her womb was the obvious culprit. She could not fault them for her ill health. Their hybrid genetics was foreign, and her body strove to reject the half-human fraternal twins. Initially, she determined she would rather die than carry the progeny of her husband's murderer. Her heart had only known the throb of anguish, and her mind grasped only the hope of retribution. These truths remained, but one misery was lifted. Her period of solitude had been broken by the rare wonders within her. Swiftly, her psychic awareness of the unborn twins fostered a resilient bond. Four weeks had passed, and still only one individual knew of Savril's pregnancy. Dr. Peterson had worked countless hours to formulate a drug that would enable her to carry the children to term. So far, it had been successful, though he warned that stress could negate the drug's capabilities. She was concerned about this, but her recent assignment would soon end, and the cooperative would remove her from the dreadful life she was forced to endure. Yet, in order to ensure success, she would require more aid. Sevril remembered her unspoken exchange with Admiral Talbot. The moment she sensed his mind, she felt a camaraderie, for he too possessed a blazing hatred for the Emperor. Perhaps it is time we stoke our fires with the machinations of revenge, she thought to herself. The Vulcan closed her eyes and plunged the fingers of her consciousness into the stream of voices. She waded deeper and deeper into the torrent of minds, moving closer to the solitary voice that shouted above all the others. As she drew nearer, she recognized it as the Admiral's. Talbot's hoarse voice shouted a woman's name. Only the loss of one's consort could fuel such an emotion. I understand your desire for vengeance. She reached out and tethered her mind to Talbot's. The Vulcan sensed his distrust. She would help him understand that her intentions toward him were not malicious. Savril hesitated a moment before unlocking the memory of her husband's assimilation, which she kept buried deep within. She gasped as the pain of that moment washed over her and flowed towards Talbot. It took all of her strength to contain the flood of agony as she gingerly offered Talbot a glance at the terrifying physical experience that she had shared with Tevian. Her body jerked as his abrupt reply boomed in her mind. I do not welcome attempts to invade my mind, Vulcan, he thought from the command chair. You have my sympathies, but do not presume to understand me. I have only allowed you a small glimpse of who I am. But as the Terrans are so fond of saying, now that the cards are on the table, I can see that you are looking for an ally. While I've made no move against Locke, I cannot deny that I believe him to be reckless. He's a great threat to our futures. I'm very tired. Maybe too tired of this game that the Emperor plays with the lives of our loved ones. Lives like my Lydia's. Zavril perceived a pang of anguish as he thought of his wife. It was a deep wound, but something else made that lesion untreatable. She pulled at a single thread of information and unraveled the detail. He and Lydia had no children. He had nothing left of her. Sirach Talbot put his hand to his head and rested his eyes the grief began to overtake him. He was in command of the Emperor's fleet and in control of everything but his emotions. Slowly, a blanket of comfort covered his mind, and the pain receded. Talbot felt Savril pushing her mental discipline through the link, lending him the strength to suppress his overwhelming emotions. I sensed your anger and pain, and believed we could assist one another. I ask pardon for the intrusion, she thought. His mind was clear of the anguish long enough to follow the link back to the Vulcan. She sensed the movement and dropped her guard, allowing him to access certain knowledge. As he listened to her thoughts, he detected two rapid heartbeats within her. I sense the new lives you carry, Savril. You risk much by sharing this information with me. His slight smile shrank as he learned more of her relationship with David and his treatment of her. "'I think the only thing this Terran truly loves is power. You have my support in whatever you are planning. I thank you for the comfort and help you have given me.'" And so began their coup d'etat. Pleased by the result of their communication, Savril severed the link with Talbot and cast her probe in a new direction. As she waded through the sea of undulating thoughts in search of Dr. Peterson, she grazed a compelling mind. A telepath's mind. She tried to flee detection, but he secured his consciousness to hers, holding her in place. She lashed out in an attempt to break the connection, but to no avail. Pleading for help, the telepath pushed an image of a starship into her mind. He felt her confusion and presented her with another image. Savril stopped struggling when she saw herself speaking to the man she had inadvertently discovered. Help me, Savril.
1: And now we have a post by Star Trek Fanatic 5, also read by Star Trek Fanatic 5. Two bodies lay at the feet of the large Borg standing in front of them. I have no need for failure, Locutus said as he grabbed Borg Took by the neck and lifted him into the air. Nick did not struggle and just hung there limply. You three failed me and let Captain Quinn escape after all the work of bringing him to us. These two were not so lucky, but I may be able to use you. I do not know why, but Captain Quinn has a fondness for you. I may be able to use that to my advantage. He dropped Borg Took, who fell to the hard metal surface with a clang. Took stood and continued with his duties, not aware that he was seconds from death. The battle was not going well for the Borg. The Empire was putting up a good fight, and the Alliance had just joined in, and now the Borg were outnumbered and needed reinforcements. Locutus ordered two more vessels to join in the battle, and moments later a transwarp conduit opened and two large Borg spheres emerged and joined in the fight. Locutus had his mind set on one thing. They must retrieve Captain Quinn at any cost. The Borg collective's survival Depended on it.
0: The next post was written by Star Trek fanatic five and read by Star Trek fanatic five.
1: Quinn took deep, slow breaths as the toxic gas that was filling his lungs was no longer affecting him. He could feel the acid burning his face and hands. As he raised his hands to touch his face, he noticed that one of his restraints was no longer holding him down. He looked around and focused his attention on Margon, who was crawling on the floor gasping for air, looking for his respirator, while the other man was lying on the floor face down, but Nathan could not tell who it was. Nathan knew this was his only chance to escape. He unlatched the strap that was holding his other arm down and reached behind his head to pull out the device that Margon had shoved into the back of his skull. Nathan pulled hard and let out a cry of pain as the device separated itself from Nathan's skull. He looked around for some bandages to plug the hole, but couldn't find anything. Quinn tore a piece of his uniform and painfully shoved it into the back of his head. He let out another scream of agony. He felt queasy and forced himself not to pass out. He continued to take deep breaths and slowly slid himself off the table. The air was filled with this toxic green gas, which made it difficult to see. He stepped over the unconscious man's body and stumbled his way to the destroyed front doors. Suddenly, he felt someone grab his pant leg. Quinn looked down in shock to see Margon's mutilated face gasping for air, looking back at him. Margon held onto Quinn's leg so tightly that Nathan couldn't shake him off. Finally, Quinn turned and took his other leg and kicked Margon in the face, breaking his nose. "'Sorry, my friend,' Quinn said as Margon screamed in pain and released Quinn's leg. Nathan hobbled out of Margon's lab. The hall was filled with green gas billowing from Margon's office." Nathan fell to his knees and grabbed his face as pain coursed through his body. He felt a metal circular disc protruding from his left cheek and another from just above his right eye. The Borg nanoprobes were doing their job. Nathan slowly picked himself up and held on to the side of the corridor until he found a Jeffrey's tube access panel. He opened the hatch and crawled inside. As he was pulling the door shut, he heard a man's voice. Computer, decontaminate corridor 5 and 6. Quinn quickly shut the door as the man walked by. He slowly crawled down the Jeffrey's tube until he couldn't go any further. He sat up and rested his head against the bulkhead. He looked down at the place where the acid had burned his hand and noticed that it was no longer blackened skin. There was now fresh pink skin. The wounds were healing themselves. The Borg nanoprobes must be repairing the burns, Quinn thought to himself as he pulled out the piece of cloth that he had shoved into the back of his head to prevent brain fluid from escaping. And sure enough, the hole was mending. Nathan knew he couldn't stay here for long. Someone would find he had escaped and would be looking for him. His best bet was to make his way to the shuttle bay and steal shuttle craft. Quinn looked around and noticed some markings on the Jeffrey's tube that identified that he was in section 7. Junction 65, and below that was the ship's name, USS Tiberius. Quinn smiled from ear to ear. He knew the ship like the back of his hand. Nathan sat there and stretched out his mind, probing the thoughts of the crew. He needed to gather as much information as he could. Suddenly, he came across a mind he knew very well. Several. All
2: right, our last post of the RPG for today is written by Hawkeye Meds and read by Meds.
7: The Karlan shot back in defence as the mutilated face of Margon came out of the darkness. <laughs> Whoa, Struth! Your cosmetic surgery's gone down to Danny, mate! Margon's outstretched hands grappled wildly as he continued to stagger forward. Karlan dodged to the left and then punched him in his wounds. Margon screamed in pain and fell to his knees. Blood gushed from his broken nose and skin flapped from the burns. What have you done with our guest, Margon? The Carlan quickly looked up to see the debris and then the shaking body of Dunn on the floor. To the right, he could see the torn straps from where the prisoner had been tied. I'm guessing, and this is only a guess, Dave, you have let our prisoner go for a walk. The Emperor will not be too happy with you, my friend. <laughs> and I look forward to telling him. The carlin stood and then kicked Margun in the ribs. Ah, oh, and if you can walk, then get up, will you, Dan? Turning, the walked out into the corridor and scanned the area. In his mind, he calculated where the prisoner would go. Seeing some Jeffrey's tubes, hatches, he went to walk over to it, but then stopped. He turned slowly and looked at the staggering Dunn, who was helping Margon up. He flicked his eyes up in disbelief. The column to the Emperor, Dr. Margon has let the prisoner escape. I'll suggest a full security sweep of the ship. Sensors are offline, so it will have to be manual. Dekala knew the Emperor would not reply, but would still be seething that Margon had let the prisoner go. This made him smile, but in the back of his head, something bothered him. Why were the ship's sensors offline? He didn't have time to go and interrogate everyone who had access to the ship's security, but his gut instinct kicked in. He knew that that Vulcan scourge could be to blame, and with that, he opted to find her. Okay, for the story so far,
1: what's been going on, guys? Well, all sorts of stuff. My goodness. I
2: think the tension has, uh, I don't know, kicked up a few notches, eh?
1: I would... Eh? Are you from... Uh, eh? <laughs> Let me try that again. No I way, think, eh? I think the tension is, is really picking up, eh? 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 <laughs> <laughs> out, yes, the yes, the tension. The tension has definitely been... uh uh, brought to a new level also the I think the darkness of the post just they're more dark and they're more violent. evil they're very violent and there's actually some sexuality in there too yeah which is that pushing like- pushing our PG-13 rating I think yeah well yeah
2: kind of <laughs> yeah um, it could be worse I mean you know well it could be a lot worse but still now yeah, Rico come on Rico what are you doing Jeez <laughs> I'm like what? <laughs> I laughed. I, I, I really did enjoy um, when Rico read that out loud though. <laughs> I,
3: could
2: just, I could see him blushing when he's reading. That.
1: <laughs> uh, let's, let's see. Let's let's start with the characters. Let's start with Quinn. What's happened to Quinn? All right, Quinn well, is being tortured by yes. mark by Evil no, Margon. again. Yes, again. Sorry. Yes. Be- once being tortured by Borg, and now he's being tortured by Margon. And- but, he's getting,
0: but he's
2: getting interrupted because you know after he after he put that that hollow probe, because you know the evil Margon is just a little similar to the actual Margon in the other universe, mm-hmm. and he's interested in hollow technology. And when he puts that probe into Quinn's head, he sees a lot of things he doesn't quite understand. He didn't realize that Quinn is from a different universe, and now he's putting two plus two together and going. Hmm. Yeah. But he's interrupted.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, he gets what acid thrown into his face. Oh, he gets.
2: Well, then the glass shatters on the on the doors to the laboratory. He gets a piece of a chunk of glass in his cheek. Which that's is right. Never, that's first. Never fun. I mean, I don't know about you, but when glass hits my cheek and stabs into <laughs> it, it hurts. That's not. That's nasty.
1: Yeah. And then, but, like uh, I said, he then he loses half of his face.
2: Yeah, and his targ, his
1: pet his targ, targ, his, his pet targ gets dissolved.
0: So that was a real targ. I thought that was a hollow targ.
2: Well, I never thought about that. If he hadn't eaten, he probably was pretty hollow. But if he had something to <laughs> eat, he probably was solid well, targ. Didn't he eat Dunn? <laughs> well, no, that was when he was done. Uh, <sighs>
1: so many jokes. Yeah. <laughs> but I th- so I yeah, so really- Dunn Dun is actually unconscious on the floor of uh, Margon's lab.
2: That's right, because the gas got him, not the targ. He shot the targ and killed it, and it's lying on the ground, steaming in the acid. Yeah. And uh, Dunn is now on the ground too. Yes. But, but you, Mister Quinn, the not really too Borgified Quinn, smacked Margon in the face.
1: In well, the he was trying to—he was trying to prevent me from leaving. I actually, the acid burned one of my uh, uh, things that were holding me down, so I was able For to strength. undo the so, thing. There you go. So, so I was able to resist- undo the other one, and as I was leaving, trying to escape from Blacked being – me in the face. Yeah, I had to pull – Quinn had to pull that rod out of the back of his neck. Oh, and then yeah. find something to put, put – And then find something out. to plug it so the brain fluid wouldn't leak out. I was grossing out. <laughs> uh, was
0: so, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So that's why
1: that's why Quinn kicked Morgan in the face because he reached up and held him, his leg, oh. and tried to – And Quinn was trying – he was trying to be nice. He even said sorry to him. Yeah. He was trying to be nice, he was trying to kick him off, but Margon wouldn't let go, so
0: I thought that was interesting that after all of that Quinn would say sorry.
1: <laughs> well, I think it's Well because I mean he's still that's still Margon. Like- as far as he knows, that's his buddy Margon, you know.
0: Oh, I thought he knew it was a mirror
1: universe. No, 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 no. no. He knows it's a mirror universe, but still, I mean, it's still yeah. it's still someone you know. Yeah. You know, even mm-hmm. though even though it's not the same person, it's still Margon, oh. and it's just a different it's- universe.
2: Even though I injected you with life-altering drugs and, and all, all over the back say, of your cerebral cortex. And-
0: if Angela did that to me, I would have no problem <laughs> <laughs> taking her in the face.
2: <laughs> I'm, getting quite a, I'm getting quite a kick out of doing um, – Hawkeye uh, Meds has been doing quite a few posts with everybody, and and uh, he's just so much fun to work with on the joint post because he has such a vivid imagination. and uh he, it's so funny you if you would know some of our scenes before they actually get all written and done, no pun intended mm. um, if if you, if you know some of the stuff that was going on beforehand, it would be pretty crazy It's pretty funny actually I wish yeah. we could write like behind the scenes thing to
4: everything
0: oh yeah, it's a lot of Very fun and and things go back and forth like. Um, suggestions as to how the story should go, and we're like, uh, let's take it down a couple of notches there. <laughs> <laughs> well, or, be for instance, for so.
2: instance, the part where the acid hits Margon in the face when he phasers the, you know, the target and it hits the bottles and the acid hits him. He, he originally, it was so funny. He PM'd me and wanted my whole face to melt off, like in Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, that would pretty much end my character unless I walked around with a permanent I'll be back. Margon will be back. You know, it just wouldn't have worked. So I asked, could I just have my cheek burn off? Would that be okay? <laughs> Is that right? And he said, sure. So I'm still alive. And
0: Speaking of cheeks, last <laughs> week he, hey, <laughs> he and hey. I wrote. He wrote a post with me, and oh my gosh, we were sending posts back and forth during the day. And you know, it was the scene where Savril came in to collect uh, Reese Peters because the Emperor had given her permission to take him out of the brig. And Peterson, Doctor Peterson, was with her, and it was a lot of fun because he he has a whole different perspective than I do, and uh, ways of coming at the story that I would never think of. And and by he I'm referring to Meds. That's because and, uh, he lives in England. Maybe that's it. <laughs> it. It
2: is. It is. And you're a naughty boy, Simon. Yes, you're a yes. naughty boy.
0: <laughs> and that scene where he um threw the chair into Peter's chest and then shoved him against the shoved uh against the wall. I was expecting that kind of reaction, but then <laughs> he he wrote the whole then he licked her cheek and I sent it back. I was like, oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> I just freaked out when I read that. That's gross!
1: Okay. But it's so good! <laughs> but what was
2: even more funny was hearing him read that post. I
0: know, he doesn't have such the a kind accent, you know, and know. then he licked her cheek.
2: It was, it was more like, licked. <laughs> licked.
3: Licked yeah. your face. I was like, that's awesome!
0: Uh, the response I wrote to that was, Almost the same response I had while I was reading his post. The guttural (laughs) scream that reverberated in the brig. (laughs) That was real.
1: That was great. That was a really good post though. I mean that 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 was a really good that was so that made that creeped me out.
0: It creeped me out too. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Ned. Way to go. No, it was a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to do joint posts. Yeah, it, it is
1: really, a lot it really fun. is.
2: I yeah, think yeah. it's great because there's so many creative people that are writing, and we all have a different style. You kind of know – I mean if, if we do them separately, we all kind of know who wrote it because we all got to know each other and how we write. Yeah. But when you put them all together, it's really neat because it just has a greater dimension to it because mm-hmm. yeah. there's some of us that are really good at dialogue, and others are very descriptive at where the surroundings yeah. are yeah. like and – Others yeah. are just totally plot driven. It's just – it's
1: wonderful when we can put them together.
0: Yeah. I agree.
1: Uh, let's see. What else is going on? Let's see. Uh, we have a whole Klingon thing going on with Wraith. That's right. Wraith doing a great job, by the way. Yeah. He's doing pretty much all solo stuff. I don't think he's done any really joint stuff. Alexander's in there and, and uh, Worf and yeah, – the, the, Yeah, the whole lion. Actually, Worf is with the Empire right now. He's captain. Right. Prisoner. But they're, they're they're heading there. They're heading there, and actually, they just found out the Borg were there, and um, the Cooperative are heading there. I mean, I think everyone's going to merge together. Uh, when do we soon. decide Act Three? Mm-hmm. They were all going to come together. Pretty soon act in three? Act
0: Two, at the end of Act Two, I guess there will yeah. be like a big fight. The,
2: con- the convergence. Yeah, mm-hmm. that so, will be very cool.
1: But he, yeah. he got some stuff going on with his uh, uh, his Klingon and. There's a female too, and I can't remember her name.
0: Kilara. And she's a character, actually, in his backstory. Mm. In um, um, uh, Katan's backstory, Kilara was um, his love interest who was killed. And that's kind of, you know, part of Katan's kind of angst. Yeah. So.
1: But, uh... Yeah, yeah so he did kind
0: of the same thing I did because Tevian and Sevril's uh, – near Sevril's husband was a character in my – care in Sevril's backstory as well.
1: Mm. She That's was like – so creative.
2: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, my mind. I didn't get it, man. I didn't realize that. Now I'm just – there's a whole new dimension unfolding in front of my eyes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's subtle stuff that doesn't really matter. That's just kind of like a bone it's you cool. could yeah, to It's
1: cool, cool if you know it, it but it doesn't I mean, really affect the story if you don't know it. Which is really yeah. cool, mm-hmm. and um, then we have we have uh, Talbot. Yeah. Right now is I'm still not sure if he's a good person or a bad person. Is he a good witch? He's kind or of in a... the same position as Savril is. Yeah, but Savril you know? is good. I mean, she's she's against the empire. We know that much.
0: Yeah. So is yeah. Talbot.
1: For a hundred percent, because yes. he cause he he there was an email, there was a post where he complained about you or about Savril. The um, reason you opposed for
0: help. Yeah, well the yeah, he started out because he you know, in the, the regular universe he didn't like when um Star Striker probed his mind. I remember it. when he did that mass probe? Yeah. So Talbot just doesn't like telepaths, period. So that was his initial reaction in the mirror universe when the tried to contact him. huh. And so initially he had that response, you know, get out of my mind or whatever. Yeah. And then um, she pushed kind of her memory of what – you know her experience when her husband was assimilated, mm-hmm. and he realized that her – she didn't have like an ulterior motive really. She yeah. just knew that they had something in common and thought they could be allies. So they are working on a coup d'etat.
2: Right. So. And d- don't you like flash a little smirk at him or something, and then you realize that he's kind of on your – List of allies now, or something like that, towards the end of one of the posts. Um, oh, where am I at? No, he's Let's smart.
0: Look. Yeah, he flashed a smile. Talbot oh, right. flashed at, a smile. It's a real, Yeah, because yeah. I'm trying but to play not, her so as yeah, can. she's yeah, still kind of stoic, kind of the same way she is in the regular universe, only um, very angry on the inside.
2: Well, so. she needs she needs to reach up and take a lock of that raven hair and put it behind her ear. <laughs> That's she
0: needs to, she needs right to learn a little more, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> that ridiculous pointed ear. <laughs> We're
2: getting to know our characters. Very fun. Yeah. So I don't know what else is going on. I'm
1: uh, we up. have the, the cooperative with Arya. Uh-huh. Um, she's just basically making her way to the battle right now. She's actually detected the alpha signal. Quinn's. Oh, that's right. That's signal. right. And so it's just bringing back all these memories since she's originally from that universe. The regular universe.
0: Yes, yes. Now the regular
2: universe and the premium universe. Yeah, that's unleaded universe.
0: Just to make it all clear, because Arya can be confusing. She she is she is the real Arya from the regular universe. In our universe we have the cloned (laughs) Arya. Because oh. the, we thought the real Arya died, and, like, when the time sh- timeline shifted, she supposedly disappeared from yes. the timeline. And, and her Katra was saved in the computer, but but what happened was she actually got zapped into the mirror universe. Wow. And she's now, a little bit twisted Just now. a little. Just a little so, crazy.
2: So Arya would be then be in a different area.
0: <laughs>
2: yes. Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
1: Yeah, she she's horror. a little crazy for the fact that uh in that one post where she says that they don't they're not like the Borg, they don't wipe out the whole civilization. They just take a little bit of it and then they can they leave enough so they can repopulate so they can come back and take a little bit more of it. Yeah. <laughs> over and over again. I'm like that's like worse than the Borg. At least the Borg wipe them all out. But the cooperative will come to the planet, like a, devastate a crop. you for a little bit. Yeah, they and they only, eat, only eat enough that makes Ooh. them happy, and then they let them repopulate, and then they can use them again. It's another resource. That's yeah, and
0: again, they're a little different because they take genetics. Yeah. So they combine the genetics for all all the races they come in contact with but and take the destroy,
1: best. They still destroy people. Yeah. I mean, they well, integrate they them, into, them. Yeah, they integrate them into, integrate their, them into their system. Into their... Their,
0: her ultimate goal is to bring peace to the mirror universe because it's very, as you know, unstable.
1: Yes, yes. So,
2: by the way, great job, um, Kenny, and you're doing your locutus voice there. And, and, oh. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> the readings have been great lately. But uh, let me just I'll say that to everybody that's been reading. really enjoy everybody's take on it. It's just great. It's really, really good to hear that. That's oh,
0: yeah. Great. Everybody wants revenge on David Locke and DuCollin.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And everyone's
0: and I, significant other was killed by one of those two people, <laughs> including <that's> Savril. Right. <laughs>
2: And the guy that's paying for it all is Margot on the human pincushion. He gets his nose broken. He gets his face melted. But he's melted. evil to begin with. He is, but he he's evil in a good way. He's just trying is to... Is he misunderstood? No, he's not misunderstood. He just really gets a kick out of being a sadist and uh, injecting people to try and figure out this whole Borg scene. But who knows what's going to happen. You never know in the mere universe.
1: Yeah. That's very true.
0: Well, we forgot to mention um, Dr. Peterson and Reese
1: Peters. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, Reese right now has uh, been rescued by Servile. Yes. So he's and and actually Dr. Peterson is part of it too. He's actually helping uh, heal Reese because yes. he was severely beaten for, uh you know Being in with the break uh, with DeColin. De DeColin, mm-hmm. yes. But anyone in there with DeColin in. They pretty much come out bloody, mm-hmm. yes. and broken. Um, yeah, broken. And uh, and Peterson is is Servill's private, personal doctor. physician. For, yeah, yeah personal because physician.
0: we've right. revealed that she's pregnant with the twins.
1: That's right. Ah. That's right. Oh, yes. So, yeah, yes.
0: and they belong to David, but that will come into question later
1: oh. as a
2: lie. A little preview.
0: Yes. A little preview. Wow. A little sneak preview.
2: So, which is it? Is it really, are they really David's kids?
0: You'll have to find out. Oh, Don't
2: tune. Same bat channel. Same bat time.
7: <laughs> for another episode of RPG.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the Mirror Universe has never been what? More treacherous. Is that more treacherous.
0: The Mirror Universe awesome. has never been more treacherous.
1: I just love that line. Every time I hear I love that. that the, the whole, whole opening, opening. <laughs> <It> is so <laughs> cool. I love the mu. I just like the the music oh and, and then you can hear people talking oh yeah yeah org yeah mm-hmm. it's just so cool it is it's very cool yeah I dig it's it it's very cool thing. I don't fast like, I listen to we it we gotta get rid of it man when we go back to the regular universe oh, it's gonna be we'll boring have, <laughs> <fun>. I know <laughs> oh, we'll come up with something cool
0: yeah we have
2: to yeah, do we'll something play. different
1: by that time Rob yeah. and I our,
2: uh, Metron 7 and I will have our software working together and we'll come up with a good collaboration it'll be awesome that would be yeah. good yeah, we've yeah.
0: Been a lot of fun. Well, yeah. we had another character that was mentioned that we forgot to talk about, which was this... um, another Reese, which they're spelled, oh, that's right. they're spelled differently. Uh, for a long yes. time, I thought um, Tim was... from England's Reese was Rays, because it's R-H-Y-S. And yes. other Reese's R-E-E-S-E. And uh. the two writers... Um, have they they've never written before so their characters you know just now you know what i mean because that to be a
2: coincidence uh, that their names are reese
0: yeah that's right we couldn't avoid it because tim used so to write like the first season and so he hasn't it, written all the time so it,
2: in essence then we have different reese's pieces
0: that's correct okay <laughs> I want to make sure yeah so anyway reese who who i'm referring to is um shepard's character who right. um and he is one of David Locke's henchmen. And David gave him a um, pad with a list of people that he has decided are um, suspects that right. that are moles, potential moles. And um, there are a couple of people on the list who are main characters in the story. So – and right. that will come – yeah, that will come to light later on. But he sicked oh, them out. Is,
2: do we know who's yep. on the list yet?
0: I haven't really mentioned that yet, but it, it's going to come up, yes.
1: Oh, that's going to be fun. And uh, we don't have an uh, Eric. Eric James isn't in the Mirror Universe. Nope. Not, not yet. No. You never know. No,
0: he isn't going to no, appear.
1: No, he's well, just a single person, right? He doesn't have multiple versions of himself. Well. Isn't that what he said? Join the, I thought that was... I, Join I, I the thought crowd, just, Come on. <laughs> I thought Chris mentioned something that there is no multiple versions of him. It's the I only moment know. in time where we can be beside ourselves and be okay with it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just well, know, I think he
1: yeah. did to play Eric because he wanted to play Arya more mm-hmm. and flesh out her character. So. And I just heard you know.
0: from Desi, by the way, and she can't write any more this season.
1: Yeah, I, you CC'd me on that. Yeah. So and Brian, Brian that. C. Also, Brian, yeah. Yeah, Brian CE, he dropped out and so did... Uh, uh, King.
0: Yeah, Kingling, sir. You will not.
1: You will not be forgotten. We will remember you. Let's hold a vigil. Well, Kar- will be back. Yes. And so will uh, In Yes. Good. Or uh, Springer Mac- characters. Mac, Spring, Spring Mac-, Mac-, Mac- Palmer, Farmer. Yeah. 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 She'll be back. They'll be back. Um, what are you King thinking? right now he's he's in limbo, but the other two will be back for yeah, sure. Yeah, Robin Ronan is the
0: character that King writes for.
1: Yes. Which I think he's just gonna become an NPC. Mm-hmm. Now. Or a yeah, coffee so.
2: drink at Starbucks, because Rob Ronin sounds like that.
0: <laughs> always thought I that. think it's a cool name.
2: And Spring Mackey uh, Farmer, what is a Spring Mackey, and why do people farm them? That's what I want. <laughs> <And> <laughs> because they smell funny. good. <laughs> that's right, because right. Yes, they smell good, and they have gills or scent gills or whatever those things scent? are.
1: Yes. Right. Yes. Yep. All right, so was there anyone else we missed? I think we got everybody. I'm, I'm we need to bring Brex in I'm going to have to get him back in here somehow. yeah, yeah. I know I was wondering if we're going to bring him in or not to I mean, the, we'll Brex,
2: or maybe he'll be a good Brex this time I don't that might know. be good he'll just be another Brex on the wall
1: it's just, oh sorry
2: <laughs> oh <a> Rick
1: <laughs> can't
3: eat your meat if you don't Oh, you can't eat your pudding if you don't eat your meat
1: sorry <laughs> like, don't get me started we're not starting yet. <laughs> no, I started myself. I don't going have thoughts. Go on by yourself. I... <laughs> Dude, it? Stop it. All right, so uh, let's move on to our final thoughts.
3: Move on down. Move on down
1: the road. We are the Borg. Resistance is futile. Plug into your alcove as we communicate our final thoughts. Let's talk about what's going to happen coming huh. down the road. Move on down the road, like you said. Okay. okay. What do we have planned for the next few weeks? Well,
0: there's going to be a mutiny. Yes. That's going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. We know that Quinn has escaped the lab.
1: Yes, which uh, hopefully Reese and Savarell will come to his rescue. Yes. Um, and hide him at least until the continuum can get there. Yes. Quick, and or not <laughs> the
0: cooperation. <Cooperative>
1: uh, <laughs> the continuum. Let's throw Q in there too. Oh, yeah, what? yeah. Oh. <laughs> Evil what? Q. No, he would be a nice Q. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, when is Q ever not or evil? Or not evil. No. Yeah, he would What unite. is he
0: really? He's gray. He is.
1: He Puppies is. for everyone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> would you like ice cream? <laughs> Cure your disease. <laughs> he gives Margon his space back. That's right. <laughs> oh, there we go. This
2: misses my two front cheeks. <laughs>
0: Posed to his back cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: haven't been able to sit down in years after that horrible acid burn.
1: <laughs>
2: no put intended. <sighs>
1: uh. <laughs> All right, so, so I mean, there's stuff happening, uh, and also um, the the alliance is going to be showing up to, s- the, to the to to the battle soon. So will the cooperative. Uh, 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 So will the cooperative. And
0: there's a, there's a, um, an agent from the cooperative on the Alliance ship as well that was mentioned in a post last week. Yes. And, um, that hasn't been, like, fleshed out yet, but...
2: You will join the Alliance or die.
0: Yes. Yes. (sighs) So that, the the cooperative and the Alliance will meet up with the Tiberius and there will be a, a big fight. And... Several may or may not be discovered.
4: Ooh,
1: may or may not. Do You don't know yet, or are you just... Not oh, I know. You? I'm just not going to tell okay. you.
0: Just by my oh, mentioning it, probably pretty oh, much gave it away. But
2: <laughs>
1: no, you don't know, but I know.
0: Oh, I know everything. I planned all the way through next season.
1: Oh, that's right. You have. I remember we talked about that.
0: I'm an obsessive compulsive person, so. Wow. <laughs> I wonder yeah, why you are
2: counting everything in front of you. I just didn't understand that.
0: Yes. Gotta watch no. Judge Swapna. Gotta it... watch Judge That's
3: <laughs>
0: You're actually... Kmart sucks. Kmart sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very good driver. Very good driver. <laughs>
1: <sighs> oh. God, me. Okay. Um, I'm having to have to so... get myself. I'm getting flushed. Let's go. <laughs> And I'm not in the bathroom, well, it was, that's Well, I think that's what's coming up, if you got anything within that little conversation there. That's that's what's happening in the next few weeks. So,
0: Kmart, <laughs>
3: Judge,
0: <laughs> Judge Wagner. Judge
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> Showing up on the ship. Showing yes. up on the ship. Say that five times fast, I dare you.
1: <laughs> no, it's okay.
2: <laughs> I was waiting for you to go.
5: <laughs>
1: Okay, let's move on to our final thoughts which do we have any
0: <laughs> um, I would just suggest okay. that uh, I mean no one has crossed the line yet as far as the uh, the rating goes, but just keep in mind that it's Star Trek and okay, Star you, Trek okay. is pretty wholesome for the are most you, part
2: okay. uh, now what I, I'm gonna use, use a little of my communication skills. Are you saying, Jen, that you don't want any lurid <laughs> sex scenes? Perhaps? Or any, you know, Let's things that... Let's just say
0: we don't want any bear chicken bear, bears coming into the, <laughs> the theme music.
3: <laughs>
2: Which would, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh.
3: <laughs>
2: brown chicken, brown cow. <laughs> like that there's a joke that goes along with that but I couldn't remember it I would have told it
1: so you just did the fight
2: <laughs> only that's right
1: yeah it's still funny
2: <laughs> okay well we better record this we not are that.
1: recording this
2: oh, don't You're put that you <laughs> you call me a moron is, is that what you just said
1: because I am that's not fair uh, uh, let's see what else is going on I guess that's it just uh, thank you for the, the everyone who read posts. Mm-hmm.
0: Did guys, we get an audio, an audio we clip?
1: We did. Yes, we did. What we got there? one from uh, Hawkeye Meds sent us an audio clip, which I will play now.
0: Thank you, Meds.
1: Thank
7: you.
0: <laughs> God be praised.
7: <laughs> <laughs> Hello there. This is Meds, otherwise known as Hawkeye Meds, on the checks in Sci Fi's forum. I write the character of Joseph de Carlin and Susan Kane, and I thought I'd send a little audio clip in, really just to say thank you to everyone. Uh, this season, season 8, I think has been the best so far. The writing has been excellent, it's been you know, tense, uh, f- full of fantasy, full of humour, and also with the mirror universe, very, very dark. It's not easy to write dark characters. Uh, dark scenarios without going over the top it's always important to keep a fair uh, level head when when coming to write something like this and I think everyone has done that uh, the joint posts have been excellent and it's really good fun to hear people reading the posts so I'm proud to be one of the people to actually participate in that uh, it's really good to hear all the people you get a good feeling of the storylines and everyone's really enthusiastic about it also the music uh, has been excellent and a big thank you there to Moya777 uh, Rick and also to Metro07 to uh, Rob there whose, uh, whose music uh, both of them has been absolutely amazing. Of course without Jen and Kenny this RPG wouldn't happen and thank you to you guys for keeping this going. I know it's not easy and I know you've had you know, it's taken time out of your own social and personal lives. And uh, a massive thank you to you both. You do a really, really good job. Uh, thanks to Rico, of course, for keeping us going. Um, without him, none of us would have met, and this RPG would never have happened. Well done, everyone. Keep up the good work, and I look forward to uh, working with you all again. Cheers.
1: Okay, so um, that was Hawkeye Meds. So if you want to be like Hawkeye Meds, go ahead and, want, and send us a... That's what, it. What, I'm what, starting what, it right uh, now. Right what, now. What, what, Hawkeye uh, Meds. <laughs> the Hawkeye Meds
2: fan club. Right now. I'm starting it right now. Go for I it. I want to be like
1: Hawkeye. We all want to be like Meds. Simon says. That's what I'm calling it. <laughs> well, you know, he doesn't like being called Simon, so... That's why he said It's a wonderful, it. <laughs> it's <laughs> wonderful it's great, but he doesn't Meds. I know. Yeah, we
2: well
1: I guess by? we have to take our meds then
0: don't we? Yes. Meds, meds is cool. I like meds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, meds.
1: so thank you very much, meds, for the for the comments. That's fantastic. And if you want to send your own comments in, so we play them on the Ready Room, you can send them to the Ready Room Podcast at gmail dot com. And the room went silent. Yay. All right. So uh, what were we talking about? Oh, the RPG. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> it's, yeah. We, you know, that's final thoughts, wasn't ready it? Ready room. Like final thoughts. So, uh, yeah. So, so anything uh, else? In you don't addition have any to... final thoughts? No, that's it.
0: Everybody's doing an awesome job. I'd like to say that.
1: Very, yes. very fun.
2: But I do. I do want to say one thing, Meds. Spell Margon's name right because I'm not a Margin. <laughs> I am not a Margin. I'm just, let me say it like the Elephant Man.
0: I am not a Margin. I am a bullion. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you very much. Are you, you, you were um, a lot like Kenny in that you referred to yourself as Margon a lot. Kenny no, I do that to all the time. No, and no, he no, called no. me Savril one time, which I love. <laughs>
1: can't help it. I immerse myself in into my character and
2: It's true. And, <laughs> so and I even like... as we even as we speak I'm 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 taking the blue makeup off of myself because <laughs> I am mean, not big Margot.
0: You're you're doing this podcast in your uniform, aren't you?
2: That's right. And you should see how how hard it is after putting Nair in your hair and going bald to grow it back. It's Nair in beautiful. your hair. <laughs> that's a great parody song. We got Nair <laughs> in the air.
0: Hey, that reminds me. When do we get to hear our RPG parody? Well, I hear there's one coming, and yes, I can't wait is. to hear it.
1: You keep saying it. But yeah, we can we get it.
0: some type of hint as to what it's like?
2: Let's just say it's going to be very fun.
0: <laughs> well, we know that.
6: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
2: He has no but idea
6: what
1: he's doing. He
2: just no, I it know he it is. I do know what it is. Would okay. you like me to... But what if I can't do it? <laughs> what if I get into it and like, go, oh, I can't do this? I've done that before. I've got it. No, I, so you're right. I'm that afraid doesn't... if I do this one and it didn't work, it wouldn't be good. So I'm just telling you, it's very funny. It's by the Beatles.
0: Oh, oh good. Cool. Well, if it's by the Beatles, I'm sure it's cool.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, yes. we're, we're we're looking forward to it.
0: We are. Okay. And the the new um, ready room music that you and Rob did was really good too last week. I like that.
1: Which well, you know, he did that. Did he? I'm, I'm like what new? What? Oh yeah, Rob saying. Rob did it. Rob did Moyer did it. Did Moyer, Moyer hasn't given, given me music in a long time. Now, I <laughs> taken home. Well, he did music. the
0: theme. Second. That's
1: enough. Oh, nope. that was my son that did the theme. <laughs> oh,
2: okay. That's right. Oh. So, like, I forgot. I, I praise was, I praise Moir. I'm like, God, I know. He liked the every R&D time TV. I'm like, oh man, like, Nathan to this. I mean, he's in therapy right now because of this you back. But I do. I, I give him props at home. Yo, dude,
0: You did me. our newest version of it. You reworked it. You made it s- sadder with the piano and stuff. A classical version
1: of it. Yeah. No, was, that, was that you or was that no, no. Nathan? That was Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you done for us lately, Rick? Every other thing.
0: <laughs> He's stamped on Quinn's <laughs> Head hoaxes. That's right. That's right. And that's what
2: I so do. And and I play Rod Stewart music when I'm recording. That's it right there.
1: If you think I'm never mind. Come on, baby, let me know. Sorry. But well, I have been enjoying playing your music at the end of each podcast. Th- thank you, by the way. That's really kind of you. That yes. is very very nice of you. And yeah, I, I, I played. I love that one with you doing Louis Armstrong. I see oh one. my God, it's oh, just so. I did yeah, yeah, oh, the last podcast. I listened to it again as I, I was adding it on, and I was like, that's just that has to be my favorite one. I gotta think of a really good one. I did two Vicks before. Yeah. I gotta think of a good one to do the at the end two, of this one. I'm trying to do oh, stuff that you haven't.
0: Power two guys. <laughs> no, I think that the love Butt one is good.
1: Oh, that's, a, oh, that's a, maybe I'll get that my one. My
0: favorite line in that is um, the one where... Um, <laughs> Have we're some
2: assaulting chicken with me. You. <laughs> Yeah. Well, my favorite one is... Have some chicken with me in the captain's room. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just laugh every time I hear that. I don't know why. So love. Love. We're assaulting you.
1: Okay. <laughs> 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 oh, okay. Good stuff.
0: You know, the next time that you have a backup singer yes. in your parody, Angela yeah. and I would like to do that.
2: Oh, that would be so much fun. Okay. We then would have I, fun I, I would have to send you the, the, the files, and then you'd have to rework it on your end and send them back to me. And okay. That. that would That'd be cool. fun.
1: We could yeah, do that. We're figuring that all out now. Yes, yeah, so let's go ahead and finish this podcast. Okay. So I guess that is it. So this is Kenny. This is Jen. And this is Rick. Hailing frequencies closed. Isn't the last guy that says it? Mm, I guess, yeah. You're the guest. We'll let you do it. Let's do it. Yeah, that's fine. I'll just leave it all. All right,
2: let's do it again. Let's do it again. again.
1: Okay. Okay. This is Kenny. This is Jen.
2: And this is Rick. Hailing frequencies closed.
3: Music used on the regular room podcast is provided by Moyer
1: 777 and Metron 07. And here's another fantastic song done by the master of parody, Rick Moyer, also known as Moyer 777 on the forums. Take it away, Rick. Your efforts to break the encryption codes will not be successful, nor will your attempts to assimilate me into your collective.
3: Brave word. Heard
1: them before from thousands of species
3: across thousands of worlds since long
2: before you were created. All- Let's go! Enterprise destroys the cube. The Borg they're blown up all. Ain't no sound but the sound of space. And for the cube, there comes a ball. Can you hit it? Can you hit the ship? Can your scanners do the trick? Out of time and the distortion takes. As back in history, they slip. Yeah. Another one becomes us, another one becomes us, and another one droned, another one droned, another one becomes us, hey, hey, we'll assimilate you, another one becomes us.
3: Check out the environmental controls while I'm gone, it's getting a little warm in here. Do you think the temperature raised on the decks of the Enterprise? The are grabbing crew members, boy, it's sad, and much to their surprise. Are you crappy? Are you terrified? How long can you resist the Queen? Out of the alcoves, the drones, they slip. The Cardinals, what this means? Boy, look out. Sounds Swedish. Another one becomes us. Another, another one becomes us. And another one droned, another one droned, another, another one, one becomes us. us. Hey, we'll assimilate you Another Another one becomes us us. Yeah Unless you make that warp flight tomorrow morning Before 11.15 None of it will happen And you people, you're all Astronauts On some kind of Star Trek
0: Get off my bridge
3: We've lost shields. Our weapons are gone. Perhaps today is a good day to die. Prepare for running speed. Another one becomes us. Another one becomes us. Another one becomes us. Hey, hey. Another one becomes us. Hey, 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 hey. Such a noble creature. Quality we sometimes lack. To assimilate men, and one quite effective, you can tempt, you can mock, you can use your probes, and leave to the collective, I'm adapting, I'm adapting for you, my technology all the while, out of the plasma, I can hear you say, resistance is futile, another one becomes us, another one becomes us, and another one droned, another one drone, another one becomes us. Hey, we'll assimilate you Another, Another one becomes us Shoot up Yeah. are your Futile Your culture will adapt